If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at www.wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Rafael Fieter. And gentlemen, this week, I want you to prepare to get your feet and ankles wet because we're going streaming. Oh, boy. <laughs> I got a fishing pole and some crawdads. Yeehaw! <laughs> you, got, you got an actual fishing pole? You don't just have like a bamboo thing <laughs> on the end of it? Yeah. All right. So <clears throat> we, we had been chatting. And um, the topic came up, streaming services and how they're all of the sudden becoming very money conscious and um, how they're implementing some new policies and taking some new steps to either generate revenue or uh, capture the revenue that they've already generated. Um, and this is in, in light of a past decade where if you had a clever sneeze netflix would run over to your house with a bag full of money and say can we make a show out of that sound can can we just capture your face sneezing we got an entire six-part miniseries we want to do and then we're going to launch it into three different movies and you know that it seems to not be the case so much anymore now I, this was kind of news to me i've been sort of out of the entertainment loop um, and I'm a big movie and TV fan and I love my streaming services. I haven't had cable or television for about 15 years. I only use streaming. And um, it, it, the weird thing is there's so much content and I'm so comfortable with the services I already have that uh, entire announcements have just gone over my head. I did not know that there was a new Fletch movie made oh, with yeah. John Hamm. Yeah. And it's damn good. I finally caught up on that and watched that. I did not know that they had rebooted All Creatures Great and Small, the BBC James Harriet series. It's really good. I'm, I'm just, uh, these were things that as a media nerd, I should have known about. So anyway, why don't you gentlemen, you, you seem to know some more about what's going on in this. What are the changes that the streaming services are implementing and, and why and how and how might that impact where they're going with the supposition that we're not using any facts whatsoever and this is all completely <laughs> philosophical and, and rumor-based. Go ahead, hit me. What have you guys heard? Well, I'll, I'll start off. So as, as you all know, we just lived through a global pandemic and lots Say of people what? were... <laughs> oh, so, sorry. Uh, you, you, if you didn't, if you've been living... Again, I, haven't, I didn't even know about the Fletch movie, dude. <laughs> And somehow everybody was uh, not going out to the movies and they weren't uh, uh, being social and going out to bars and restaurants. And so what were they doing? They were sitting on their couches and they were watching their TVs. And so all of these streaming services started seeing huge upticks. I don't know if you remember it right at the beginning. It was fortuitous for this one show that's, that was on Netflix right at the beginning of the pandemic. It dropped Tiger out. King. Yes, Tiger King. Everybody watched Tiger King. We were glued to our fucking sets for Tiger right, King. Right, right. Yeah, Tiger <laughs> King is it captured the the moment in time when everybody all of a sudden was in lockdown, and everybody all of a sudden wanted to watch Tiger King. So everybody, if you didn't already, did you know they made a sequel? I think I heard that. Yeah, I did. I didn't watch See, the original. That that was another one of those announcements that completely you know, passed me by. <laughs> sorry. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the guy's name? Something Joe, uh, Tiger Joe or something like that. And Carol Baskin. Anyways. Um, Everybody all... remembers Carol Baskin. Yeah. That's for damn sure. <laughs> right, right. That bitch Carol Baskin. <laughs> I will never financially recover from this. Uh, I know the memes. I didn't watch the show. I know the memes though. Um, well, oh, anyways, you haven't watched it. No, I didn't watch it. I, 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 
It's know. actually worth watching. I gotta tell you. I heard it was good, yeah. but uh, you know, and my, my I didn't watch it either. <laughs> <laughs> when you were talking about what is wrong with both of you <laughs> but anyways all that to say that started this whole trend for basically two and a half three years where people were oh, i guess we're, we're coming up on the three-year anniversary now so about two two and a half years of streaming services just going bonkers because everybody was getting everything from your Hulus to your Netflixes to your Peacocks to your uh Paramounts to i mean uh, apple plus tv uh, gosh, I subscribe to every single one of these, and I still can't, you know, whenever I'm looking for a certain thing I want to watch, I always have to subscribe to some new one that I didn't know about. But <laughs> it's... Yep, uh, some off-brand, you know, that happened right. after this one intellectual property right. of a show you watched when you were a teenager, and now you want to watch one again. Right, right. Yes. Uh, so anyways, uh, it became Boomtown for streaming services. I mean, now, now I got to ask, is that Boomtown, or is that also a drag on both their servers and their titles because I, the way i understand it, it's a lot like social security you can remain solvent as long as not everybody uses it <laughs> right right i'm sure there probably was a lot of uh, overhead on the back end uh to keep these these services up and running because all of a sudden yeah they went from i don't know let's say five million people watching at a time to you know 50 million people watching at a time or something like that so yeah that that yep. certainly will will put a, a strain on your your hardware and your software and your uh, uh, services overall. And just your pricing structure, because again, you know, they're paying for these titles based on how often they're gonna be viewed and they have to pay the producers and the content owners that percentage. And I think one of the, one of, the, one of their models is we license these titles with the understanding that only this percentage is gonna watch this title, only percentage watch this title and and they don't want overuse especially of the big blockbuster titles which probably cost them a premium to get, you know like when maverick came out i'm going to imagine that whoever it was that was producer like paramount charged a premium of the revenue stream for that thing versus you know uh, uh the monsters or, or whatever you know some old title that not many people are watching which they probably can you know pay for a penny of view uh, that's what i'm guessing and and i'm guessing that would be a huge disparate impact as well i guess so yeah i'm not sure how on the back end how all the the finances work out as far as the licensing and the percentages and all that kind of stuff but yeah i'm sure that that all contributes to it um as well and of course as you know also during the pandemic uh since movie theater theaters were shut down movies started being released straight to streaming services because uh, they wanted to get these movies out. Maverick was one of the few holdouts that said, no, we want people to watch this in a theater. We'll wait, we'll, we'll wait the pandemic out. But so many movies were just hopping on whatever streaming service, whoever the highest bidder was here. If you want to see, um, oh gosh, like the, 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 the new Bill and Ted uh, movie that came out during the pandemic was supposed to be a theater release and, and some, some streaming service bought the rights to it and decided to start streaming it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, uh, I, I remember the director of the new Dune was very, very disappointed. He said this was not meant to be watched. We didn't shoot it for a TV. You know, we, we shot it for the <laughs> widescreen and and uh, how upset he was and, and how, you know, he almost didn't want to go make the continue the story with the sequels because he was so disappointed about the TV release. Yeah, but see, yeah. If I jump in here, like with Dune, this was, I actually went to the cinema to, to view this and <clears throat> I regretted it. At this point, I was so used to being able to pause at any point, <laughs> get up, make new popcorn, sit back down, hit play again and stuff. It's like, I, <clears throat> the cinema has lost me as a customer. I'm not going back. <laughs> you know, Rafti, I, I, I'm. I'm on the fence with you there I, it, because I totally agree. The comfort of being in my house, turning on what I want to uh, want to have on. When I want to use the restroom, I know I'm not going to miss the best part of the movie by getting up and going. You know, uh, if I want to make a snack, I can do that. If you know, the, uh, one of a hundred things. Plus, going to the theater today is always kind of a crapshoot. First of all, we never go in the evening. We only go to matinees. Um, and that's not for pricing so much. That's because Crowds. the theater's less crowded. Yep. And you never know what audience is going to be sharing the theater with. They can really detract from your experience. So as as much as I've been a lifelong movie guy, 
I'm I'm kind of with you. Staying at home seems really appealing. I still like watching the big screen. I like having the crappy popcorn. There's something about that that's nostalgic. But but you're right. I think a lot of the shine has worn off, and and I wonder if if future generations are going to get anything out of going to the theater. I think that the, the there will always be an audience for the for actually going to a movie theater because the, it, it it is an experience that can't be replicated. It does get you out of the house. It gets you you know you have to put on clothes. You can't just sit around in your pajamas for the most part. <laughs> yeah, you, but yeah, you can't pause it. You can't uh, turn the subtitles on, serve, turn subtitles off, play your Candy Crush while you're while you're watching it, all that kind of stuff. And I gotta drive there, and I gotta park in the neighborhood where theater is, and you know, in the city that I'm adjacent to, there's always a risk that my car ain't going to be there when I come back <laughs> or that pieces will be missing. And, and it rarely happens when I turn on Netflix. That just, it's not, it's not as much. And, and I'm not using as much gas when gas is, you know, $5 a gallon. Um, Rafti, that's, that's uh, 5,000 euros per uh, liter. <laughs> No, but you know, of course the other thing is like it's also cheaper. Like you're saying, like in that regard, but like for Dune, I think it cost about like uh ten to fifteen dollars per ticket, and like renting the whole movie cost ten or was it twenty? I can't even say. But me and my wife, the two of us, we like we would have been it would have been cheaper just to rent it at home. Yeah. Um, so now let me ask you. Let me you you use the term rent. Yeah, I would in not your... exchange it. Like I'm I, sorry, it was not part of Netflix. It wasn't a part of a streaming bundle. I think okay. I, I could have rented it through Apple or something, but it was not included yet. Okay. Like, but when you when you say rent, I'm I'm curious as to the model in Europe because in the U.S., when I want to get something, I'm option. I can either rent it for 24 hours, which means I pay a reduced rate where I have 24 hours from the time I start the video until the clock expires, I can watch once, I can watch it eight times, you know, or I can start it and not finish it and oops, I lost my, my rental. Or I can pay about twice that rental amount and I can quote unquote, buy the film. And now I own the title in perpetuity and I can always watch it whenever I feel like forever. So do you have that kind of thing in Australia as well? um it's sort of like depends like the first thing like with renting yeah that's absolutely the same like apple and amazon they have that model here as well the same thing i think it's 48 hours like you can start the stream within the next 48 hours and i think you have as you said 24 hours to watch it um the buying thing i i'm not sure i think i looked into it from apple once back in the day when you buy the thing i think you can watch it eight times or something like that there's a cap on that really um, no Shit. I think it's the same in the U.S. as well. I, I think you should read your terms of service for oh. this <laughs> just to bring it back to that. But um, I think there's a maximum amount and there's also a maximum amount on the devices you can watch it. Or maybe it's just eight different devices or something. I cannot say, but it's like there is a there I'll, are I'll, some I'll restrictions. I'll tell there. you right. I'll tell you right now. There's no such cap. Um, uh, only be I've had certain titles for over 10 years. Okay, cool. And I, and I've watched them. Uh, you know, I've gone through I don't know how many moves across how many different U.S. states, across different countries where I've lived temporarily, and um, I, I still have some of those titles. Now, that's one of the other topics I want to get into is the, the weird permutations of how titling and licensing goes and how some titles seem to have disappeared, even though I know I've already purchased, but, but we'll get there as well. We'll get there. As well. <laughs> it does seem like a permeable membrane though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so that's interesting as well. That's, that's very, but yes, even at the purchase price of Dune, which of the theater to go see paid for the, you know, high ticket price, we still wanted to watch it again when we got home. Yeah. You know, a week later, uh, we we did the purchase price, and I feel like that's still it was still half the cost of going to the damn theater <laughs> and you know buying the tickets and getting the popcorn. It, it was still cheaper, and now we can watch Dune whenever the fuck we want to watch it. Like right before the sequel comes out, we're gonna want to watch it again to get to continue into the sequel. You know. All right. So so Matt, I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off, and, no, and no. you've never been able to. Okay. 
All right. So, well, yeah, that was just the uh, laying the groundwork for where we stand today uh, as of the recording of this podcast, which is that streaming services all of a sudden are finding themselves struggling a little bit because of the mass exodus. Now that the pandemic is ostensibly over, um, the frogs are all turned gay. Alex Jones has been uh, sued for a billion dollars. Um, the pandemic uh, that was uh, uh, begun by the governments of the world to try to tr try to herd us all back into our houses is now over. And <laughs> Rafi doesn't like my conspiracy theories that I'm joking about it <laughs> completely <laughs> tongue in cheek. It's not it's not over till March. Remember, <laughs> right. Biden has said it's not going to be over till March oh, okay. because that's what the science can tell us when a pandemic ends <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Um, so all these streaming services are now struggling because they spent so much money to license all these titles and movies were coming out and they had this big boom period during the pandemic. And, and now that's tapering off and it's tapering off. Are people are people canceling their subscriptions? I I think they are. Yeah, because they don't okay. want as many of them, because, again, the streaming um, universe, like I mentioned at the at the very beginning, there are so many streaming services. People were spending, you know, people didn't mind spending five, six, ten dollars a month to have ten different streaming services. But now that the pandemic's over or uh, and 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 you know they they have less time. They're going back to work. They have uh, uh, you know uh, no reason to stay at uh, at home as much anymore. People are starting to say, well, let's you know let, let let's dial back on spending quite so much on all of our streaming. Let, let, let's just keep the two or three that we really want to use, and get rid of the other ones. Um, and the markets become very fractioned because I remember when there was just Netflix. Yep. And then Amazon, and then Apple, and then HBO rolled out their own. Mm -hmm. And now it seems like every you know you've got the Peacock, you've got the Disney Plus, you've got Crunchyroll and Hulu, and you know everybody's got their own subscription service now, and you, they're fragmenting a market a market of limited viewers. Viewers aren't going to buy every streaming service, right? Right, right. Yeah, because at some point it's it's just too many streaming services, and um, and and we, we've seen that in our own family. It's like, come on, can we can we cut back on some of these? And and it's gotten to where. There's just one good show that we want, but it's it's one good show per service. And that's what's keeping us from canceling every single one of them. If they all consolidated down to just one streaming service, then, yeah, we could get rid of a bunch of them. Uh, the tentpole content. Right, right. So, like, on, you know, on and, uh, Apple Plus, we watch Servant. That's the only show we watch on, Servant, or on uh, Apple Plus. On Hulu, we watch uh, MTV's The Challenge. That's the only show we watch on Hulu. But we keep those services around for, for those uh, shows. But of course, there are some who are like bundling it together with other things. Like, right. if you want Prime, then like Prime Video is included. But you have Prime Shipping, you have Prime Music, you have other pro like Amazon services. And if you are with Apple and you have Apple One, where like Apple Arcade is included, if you have kids, maybe that's interesting. There's some iCloud storage in there. There's Apple Music in there and stuff. And so Apple TV Plus is just included and so on. But Netflix, of course, and Disney Plus, those services who are only streaming services, nothing else, no music subscription, like music streaming and stuff included with this, it's very limited. So I think like there, the the use case for maybe just buying the series is much higher, like on DVD or Blu-ray, you know? Yep. And in fact, <laughs> we've done them up digitally. And, and, and that's really interesting. Server. Because yep. they, if they're only a content um, service, you're, it's it's harder to justify a subscription based pricing. And it, the funny thing about Prime is, I don't even think of Prime Video as being a subscription service because the reason I bought Prime was for the shipping and for the other stuff, not for the video. The video just came bundled with it. Yep. Really interesting. Now, with that said, I think. Okay, when they went from just licensing properties like HBO and Netflix and rebroadcasting them over streaming to becoming content producers themselves, they kind of dug themselves a hole. And and you correct me if I'm wrong here because, you know, uh, I'm a business guy, I'm not in the entertainment industry. They went and they started spending tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars producing content. 
that they were going to restrict to their own services. There'd be Amazon exclusive, Netflix exclusive. Tiger King, I think, was Netflix exclusive. I don't think they paid to produce it, but they bought it from the content creator, the way I remember it. And I think that the similar thing would be Squid Game also. Another huge, you know, out out of the blue became the thing to watch, and it was owned entirely by Netflix. Correct. Correct. And um, Black Mirror, there's there's certain there's certain things like that. But the the ones I'm thinking of are like when Amazon licensed Lord of the Rings <laughs> and spent a billion dollars. Is that correct? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, a lot of. I money. think I think they place. spent a billion dollars making their own Lord of the Rings content with flop mm. and. And the the issue there is, you know, the movie studios have figured this thing out over decades, you know, close to a century now. You can have a major flop if you support it with a bunch of other stuff. Well, Netflix was just supporting it with Netflix. And uh, you run into that issue of, you know, when when you gamble on that, as opposed to just renting out titles like the old video store, now you're really beholden to yourself. And if you're making it exclusive in order to appease your subscribers, you're losing out on the part of the market that would purchase it a la carte if they were allowed to do so. Like, for instance, if Netflix allowed me to buy Squid Game via Amazon Prime, I might do that as opposed to subscribing to Netflix in perpetuity. Yep. Um, and I and you know it's funny. I when I first signed up with Netflix, they were sending me discs in the mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was and how they got their start. Model. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good model. It worked. It worked. Um, but. I foresaw at that time a moment when everything would be available through your TV and you would pick whatever you wanted to watch. I even guessed that in the 90s. My big mistake was what I believed was you would have micro based on viewership. Whether you wanted to watch Maverick or whether you wanted to watch an old rerun of I Love Lou you would be charged a fraction of a cent for every minute or every second that you watched the content. Mm-hmm. So you would only be paying, it, it, it's like your your utility electric or water bill. You know, you were only gonna pay for as much as you consumed. Mm-hmm. And that made sense to me. And there could be variable pricing based on how fresh or new, good or popular or in-demand content was, but I'd be willing to throttle that as I chose. The subscription model, on the other hand, I don't think is optimum for entertainment, and they've all hurried into that niche, and I just don't understand why. Do, do you all have any insight on this, or do you all have any opinion on this? Rafti, you're nodding a lot. Yeah, I think it's just like the the direction we have been going, but maybe to, I, I think it's a very interesting question. I think we can get lost in that question for a little bit longer. So I wanted to go back from a business perspective when you said like, why are they making their own stuff? And the same, I think it's the same reason why, for instance, Spotify is branching out into podcasts. The reason is that they don't have to, like, because it's a subscription model, and again, we're going into that later. Um, if you watch one of their like already paid for movies, they don't have to pay anything to anyone else. So, and this is also why Netflix is such a crap like user interface where they always sort of like push onto you their stuff, Um, which of course, like they're portraying it like this is exclusive. You can only watch this here, but of course, like on the back end, on the business end, this is what we already have paid for. This is what we want you to watch because we don't have to give your money to anybody else anymore. You know, here these are sunk costs. (laughs) Of course, you can say you can phrase it like this, but from a business perspective, of course, it's very cool. Like if if they if everybody just watches, like I don't know the tiger thing you said, you know, Um, like they don't Cobra Kai. or like The Witcher, uh, nope, they don't have to pay anybody else anymore, you know. And I think from a business perspective, it's just like their shift uh, back from we are only redistributing the money that we get from our customers to we are actually like uh, collecting money from our customers, you know, and shifting from from one model to the other. And I think I understand completely. Um, now to why I think customers are like um, uh, so. 
I don't, I think reluctant at this point to pay uh, for pay as you go, um, like types of subscriptions. It's, um, <laughs> I think we're for, for first, like, uh, first of all, we are all very, very used to models like this, like flat rates and every point. So we don't think um, like in that regard anymore, like uh, exercising self-control um, to sort of reduce costs and sort of like strategically only like spend where we want. We we want to sort of like have an overview, uh, how much money do we make and how much money do we spend? And if one is higher than the other, then that's good. And if it's the opposite way, well, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like with, 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 yeah. With, with Ben's model that he was just proposing, where you paid as you, you yeah. know, per minute as you streamed, I could see somebody falling asleep, leaving mm -hmm. their TV on all night, and all of a sudden they're getting a bill for eight hours worth of content that was consumed. When in fact they fell asleep, or they left the TV on when they left on vacation, and it, it just ran for days or something like that. Or so, I'll give you another example. I don't mind watching a shitty movie on Netflix. Because I've already paid for it. Yeah, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna be less likely to do that. Now I did the other day and I was absolutely shocked. It was a large name release from 10 years ago with major stars from a major studio, and it was a mediocre film. And and I was really surprised. Um and disappointed that I had paid for it because I bought it from Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh, that that you know that you're right, that doesn't occur occur in flat rate subscription you are right now i can see plenty of ways around that i mean you can definitely you could set your own internal control that says after two hours ask me if i'm still watching you know i mean yeah what, what, netflix what at do? the moment is incentivized to do because like they want you to stop watching because Correct. then they don't have to pay anybody else you know Correct. but Correct. this of course would change <laughs> yes yeah. It's the same or model. you could just turn off the next episode feature. You know, there's there's plenty of technological solutions to the I left the water on when I wasn't home kind of thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it's the it's the same model as restaurants where you know, they decide am I are we going to be a buffet or are you going to order off the menu? And because the buffet yeah. is the flat fee, uh all you can eat versus okay, you know, but 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 the quality is generally buffet quality, which is we generally accepted as mediocre maybe a hair above mediocre but off the menu you're getting the quality you know custom made for you you know whatever that the, the, they cooked for you it's a similar type thing and i'm sorry to, to have interrupted you Rafi, but you were you were uh, please continue with what you were talking about with the uh, uh the <laughs> no all as well like i'm i'm just thinking of maybe a different model which i'm sort of like baffled and it's a new new direction now that it does that it has not moved into different sections but audible is a subscription but the audiobooks you get with your you know, with your coins or like tokens you can keep i have uh, a huge library of audible audiobooks which I can listen back to, which I can share, which technically reading the terms of service, they tell you to back up. You have to back them up because they don't have any liability that you can gain access to them in the future. And sort of like it's a subscription fee, but you can, you keep this stuff that you decided on on getting. And like for, for movies or, or something like that, or for like uh, TV series and stuff, I think this would be great. You know, because I'm not, as you're saying, like Matt, I'm, I, I want this one series or stuff like that, that I want to watch and I would be willing to pay for it. Sometimes it's hard to get, uh, via different means. So I would totally pay for it like 20, 30 euros or something like that and keep it and watch it in two years again. It, and it, oh man, I tell you that that thing bugs the hell out of me. There is a particular movie that we watched when we saw up for a Disney Plus seven-day free trial and then immediately canceled Disney right after we watched the movie we wanted to watch because I don't want another streaming, sir. I don't want another subscription. When they made the film, they never created a D or Blu-ray, which I would willingly have bought at a premium price just so I could re-watch the film at a future date. And I can't do that. And what they're doing then is me the subscription service in perpetuity if I ever want to go back and watch a film. Now, realistically, can I sign up for a month of the subscription service and just watch that film again? Sure, sure. 
but that means that I'm paying for a month every time I want to watch that one title ever again. And I think that discourages me from saying the buffet of all of the content that's out there. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It, it's a tough one. That's a yeah. tough one. Yeah, the subscription model, the flat rate monthly subscription model, like you were saying, Ben, it does encourage you to branch out and try other shows that you wouldn't necessarily maybe know if you would like or you know because right now the current movie going experience you have to know for 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 a fact i want to see this movie and pay for it and go go see it and then if it sucks it's like okay well i just blew 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 my money and my time on that the subscription model though it's you know being all you can eat yeah all, all these little independent films all these little offbeat films cult films stuff that you would never think to try to you know for instance when we went and uh we, we did tron there is no way in hell i would ever go out and find a dvd of tron and watch and, <laughs> and buy it and and watch it but it was free on my street on my disney plus subscription so okay yeah i i, I don't mind eating that uh or you know or watching it because it, it's nothing else out of my pocket i've already paid for it so i might as well watch it so uh but yeah there, there's there's lots of these little you know, quirks that, uh, or, or things that you, you are encouraged to try out and it, it kind of branches you out, I think, um, in terms of your, your entertainment options, but yeah, overall, Agreed. um, and Rafti brought up the, the audible thing. I'd completely forgotten about that. I had audible for a couple of years and I stopped, uh, I stopped my subscription, but yeah, audible has the flat monthly fee where you have all of their free titles, which is uh, not everything, but it's 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 a large number of free titles. But then if you if there's a specific brand new book that you want, every month you get one free coin or whatever it is, a token, I think it is. And you can spend your token on a premium item as you want. And then of course you can buy more tokens for, you know, for more money. But uh, uh, I was I was doing that. And so, you know, brand new books that were coming out that I, that I would never have read. All of a sudden I was like, oh, I've got a token. Let me go just buy that book and then listen to it. And and I had it. It's a that is and, a, it's and a really interesting. What's model. the what's the base rate for Audible? The the I monthly or nine ninety nine a month. That seems very reasonable yeah. for access to an entire library. Yeah, yeah. Um and 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 they're they're free library. It's like it's like a public library. I mean, it's it's got everything that you would you, you could think of. It just doesn't have the brand new stuff. So like uh when, you know, uh, X Y or Z author, you know, Neil Stevenson for instance drops his brand new one and it's already got an audiobook, you don't have to wait uh until it becomes free. You can just spend your token and, and get it and then you like Rafi said it's it's yours in your library for as long as you have your Audible account. Yeah, yeah. And seems two recommendations there. Um, first off, your local library probably has audiobooks as well. So mm -hmm. if you've never been there, check them out. Um, not sure if it's legal to make copies of those, but as I already said, and I'm I know for a fact that it's with Amazon.com as well or audible.com as well, you are responsible for backing up your audiobooks. And I can recommend a little tool here. Openaudible.org um, is the tool I use to automatically back up all the things. And it does the cutting per chapter and stuff so that you have an easier experience backing up your Audible. Maybe Matthew should do this as well. Good data security, like backing your stuff up. That's actually yours, I think. I guess I don't understand that part of the model. How do they not know what your catalog is based on your purchase history. How do not, I mean, one of the beautiful parts of uh, Amazon Prime is that all of my purchases are linked to my account in perpetuity. So no matter where I've lived, no matter which device I've used, whenever I log into my account, I can reach back into that catalog and pull up any one of those titles. It's about them losing the rights and then losing the file and then uh, not having like a backup or something they can. It's just like from a legal perspective, they don't have to make sure that all your purchases can be restored. You I have get to it. make sure. I had that no idea have. that Audible could lose the licensing for some of their titles. That's See, that was going to be my next thing. And I saw Rafki nodding when I brought this up a, a few minutes back. There have been titles I've purchased and I know I've purchased them that I've gone back to pull and they weren't there anymore. And what I've discovered is that, especially at the beginning of streaming, you know, early 2000s when it first became very popular, a lot of the services were making um, time-based duration finite contracts with the content owner. So they would buy 
this series for five years. But then after the five years, even though I, I had already bought the series as the end user, they can't serve it to me anymore. So it drops under my catalog. Now, I've never called them and said, hey, you know, I paid for this. You know, what the hell you guys. Saw. But I know people who have and they've had they've been, been refunds. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because Amazon realizes, you know, look, it's not, it's not worth saying, sorry, it's not our fault. It's on you. You know, it, they, there's no upside to them to do that. So they will give you restitution to those, which I think is more than fair because you've already consumed the product and you're getting paid back for it. Um, now, the, I get all of that and I get the risk and I, and I think they're making better contracts with longer terms or with built-in perpetuity clauses where the end customer still gets access to the thing, regardless of whether the service has the license to continue to sell it. Uh, for instance, I know of this through Udemy. When I sell courses there, the recorded version of my courses, even if I decide at the end of my contract term with Udemy to pull my course off the platform, they still get to keep a historical copy for everyone who purchased it. So those customers will have access to it for as long as they want it, which makes sense. I don't begrudge them that at all. I'm very comfortable with that. And that makes a lot of sense to me. So I think that's happening today. The other big issue I have though, with the availability of content, there have been specific shows, um, taxi, you remember the old series Taxi? Oh, yeah. Judd Hirsch, okay. uh, uh, Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Yep. Chris, uh, Christopher. Uh, Chris Lloyd. You know, uh, Tony Danza, yeah. Mary Lou Henner, <laughs> um, Danny DeVito. I mean, just yeah. a hell of a cast. Okay, this was a sitcom from the 80s, Rafty. Mm -hmm. uh, that show and Community, um, the, the sh you know, the show that I'm talking about, the you know. Yeah, community college, Chevy Chase, a uh, bunch of other people. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, paintball. Uh, Danny Glover and yeah, um, Danny Glover is in Community. Not, uh, not Danny, Donald Glover. Sorry, Donald <laughs> Glover. Okay. <laughs> Whoops, that's a major football. Um, both of those I've gone to rewatch at a certain point, and it does the automatic advance to the next episode, and I go, wait a second. I'm pretty sure that there was another episode between these two. And I go back and I look at the numbering. And sure enough, it'll skip from episode three to episode five. And I've gone and done some research in, in both situations. In one of them, it had to do with other content that was licensed in a fucked up way that when the network first broadcast this uh episode they had purchased some song rights that were used in the show and that didn't carry over when they changed media to streaming and whoever owns the rights to that song evidently the producers can't find them anymore or you know they just refuse to license it and now they can't broadcast that episode the other show had a very dissimilar problem. And this had to do with palatability. Mm -hmm. There was an episode of Community where the gang gets together to play a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Rafti, do you know what Dungeons and Dragons? Absolutely. Is? And I think I saw oh. the episode. I think I streamed it on. I... There were there were three episodes. Okay. One of them in particular, Ken Jong's character dresses as a drow elf in full cosplay. Rafti, you familiar with drow, drow elves? I, I should be, yeah. Yeah, the, the dark elves, like the... the dark elves, they have dark skin. skin. Yeah. Yes. Purple. <laughs> oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> there was an audience. There was an audience who was upset by this and said that that is a version of blackface. And blackface has become culturally unacceptable as uh, a racist activity in and of itself, which which I can understand there's an argument to be made there. In that particular example, 
just to call that one out. I don't I don't think you could say that being a drow elf is being racist. I mean, maybe specious, you know, elves <laughs> elves aren't a race, they're they're a species, but um they pulled that episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was I a very good episode. I can't recall it. I, I think I've never seen it. This episode. It was funny. It was a very funny, good episode. And there's connective tissue between the prior episode and the future episode because as a series, there's a through line. Of course. And that and by pulling that episode, you kind of fuck up the whole art in and of itself. So my second question here is how does a streaming service in distributing content the way it does affect art as being conveyed to an audience from a creator in that manner when in real time they can amend the content however they feel by pulling episodes or editing episodes i think i mentioned earlier on a previous episode when i've tried to watch current versions of the rockford files an old 1970s tv show um they re-edited them that the camera pans across to another part of the screen when the protagonist lights up a cigarette. Yep. My question is, is this affecting art and are we trying to airbrush out history and are streaming services lending themselves to doing that? If I buy a DVD, the content's going to be static for as long as that DVD lasts or for how many backups I can make of it if I can manage to make a backup. In a streaming service, you can change my reality on the fly. Yeah. yeah. What do you all think? I'm not a fan. Um, I, am, uh, I, I think that there is a way to address problematic things like that. Like the example for community um, that you mentioned, I think that there are ways that you can address that that are sensitive and that are appropriate, but also still let the person watch the the episode um, with something like a caveat, something like a a, a blurb on the screen, um, a title card. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. said this. You know, this was made at a time where the producers thought this would be funny. They yep. did not understand that there'd be certain audiences that didn't like it. Yep. And this is up to you at your own discretion to continue watching. Yep. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. Um, and I, I can mm-hmm. remember when my kids were young, we bought a, a bunch of DVDs of the old Warner Brothers Looney Tunes cartoons for, for our kids to watch. Oh, the World War II ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bugs Bunny, uh, 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 oh gosh, uh, uh, Donald Duck. Horn, Don, yeah, well, Donald Duck, Daffy. Yeah, yeah, Daffy Duck, Daffy Duck, yeah. And there were some episodes because, again, those were made 40s, 50s, even into the 60s, I believe. And I loved those cartoons growing up, and I thought my kids would love them as well. Um, the cartoons and, and these DVDs were made in the early 2000s, I want to say like 02 to 05, 06, something like that. But the DVDs, when you would pl- put them in your player and you'd start them. It would open up and with a with a statement, a black uh, white text on a black background that said specifically, these cartoons were made during these years. They reflect the cultures and the norms of the society that they were made in. That not everything translates, uh, you know, because there are you know there there is some racist stuff, especially the World War II stuff like, against the, the World War II stuff was purposefully racist exactly. propaganda. Yeah. It was really awful. Yeah. Even seeing those as a kid, I found it a little jarring. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was on both sides, you know, towards uh, you know, for instance, the, the the Jews or towards the Germans, towards the Japanese, towards who, whoever you were against in the war. Um, yeah, you were making racist things, and and uh, the cartoons and the and the entertainment of the time reflected the same thing. So there are elements of racism uh, or other things in some of these old Warner Brothers cartoons. Ben, I'm sure you watched them. I, I watched them growing up as a kid in the '70s, and and I picked up on that stuff. It didn't scar me. It didn't turn me into a racist. I was aware of it, but when I I was interested because when I bought these cartoons for my kids, that it had that disclaimer at the beginning. And I thought that was effective. I thought that that, you know, basically you, you, you can still watch this. You can still watch uh, Bugs Bunny walk around with a Hitler mustache and doing a Sig Heil. Um, but you understand that it's a product of its time. I think that the same can be done on these streaming services. You can, you can. Still... Did you curate that content for your children when they were watching it? Did you skip those episodes for them? No. no. The, the one I remember, the, the one I really, that stands out to me was Daffy Duck with some very, very vile anti-japanese yeah um, yeah just flat out racist content yes um yes did you did you let your kids watch those yes 
Okay. I had no problem with that. And because my kids are not racist and they weren't raised to be, our, our household isn't racist. And it's, it's as, as awful and as insensitive as those things were at the time, you can still learn from them and you can watch them and still be entertained. I mean, some of that stuff is still very funny. I mean, the other aspects that aren't racist are, you know, they're funny. They're, they're good quality cartoons. Um, and yeah, there's the, the, I didn't see any harm in it at all. Okay. Okay. Especially like if you talk afterwards and if you have like a space where you can sort of like work um, like and you don't have to make like a class out of everything. uh, But it's sort of like I think if uh, watched and um, have if it has a space, an appropriate space for it, I think that's that's good as well. And I agree, Ben, with what you're saying, like changing it without telling you um this is sort of like rewriting history so to speak and um i guess then people will forget some of the the stuff that was wrong and um everything is better in the end and you're like confused like where why are we where we are and i think that's important as well to to sort of like keep the records and i understand not wanting to propagate racist content i totally get that I totally get that. On the other hand, I have difficulty with a gatekeeper deciding for me that a representation of an idiot dressing as a drow elf is somehow racist. <laughs> They're finding ra- there's a there's a huge there are miles difference between a war effort specifically trying to be racist to somebody finding racism where the content creators never intended so that's that's the that's the really big issue i have as a content creator um uh but and i think the streaming services acceding to that is really bad for art uh i i like i like your approach matt i think that makes a lot more sense and even in every single show i've watched in the past 10 years on amazon or hbo or netflix there's always a list of warning flags up in the corner yep in a, you know semi-transparent way this show contains nudity smoking drug use and violence i'm like fucking great that's what i want to <laughs> that, that's a show for me man you know but but i can understand where parents or sensitive people other people might find value to that and allow hints and nods and nudges to kind of point them in uh, to finding other content that should be that should suffice for a library that's curated through advice and more information as opposed to restricting the information that we have access to I, I, that, yeah and of course in regards to streaming if you could like have parental controls or stuff like that and i think maybe parental controls is a bad word um but if you want to filter stuff like that out when you're like i don't want to see content that includes that stuff that yeah. should absolutely that be should a thing be that's easy. a service Exactly. You should have a list of radio buttons that say click, click, click. I want this. I don't. And I think they have those. I think the parental controls have those built in. Matt? Don't know. Y- yeah. Yeah. The, uh, well, d- it depends on the, the service and stuff like that. But yeah, you they have pretty granular controls for, for parents if you if you choose to use them. Um, now, whether or not the kid figures out your passcode and is able to bypass <laughs> all that stuff is something else altogether. Because I have some very smart kids that did happen to figure out some stuff. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> And it always it always asks me when I sign up, you know, who whose profile are you using on this? Is it mm-hmm. Ben? Yeah, I'm the only one on the account, asshole. Yeah, it's Ben's <laughs> but, but the way I understand it is, you can set up your profile for your kids so that they have a curated set of titles they can watch, and yep. they can't watch the same stuff you watch. Yes, that yes. makes a lot more sense to me, and it keeps the censorship or the limited access in your household, right. not at Netflix headquarters and not to some third party nag who thinks a drow elf is Jim Crow, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm sorry. This is, this has gone a lot longer than I thought it was. And I think, <laughs> I think we barely scratched the surface. Yeah. We didn't even get into the, uh, the financial ruin that uh, Paramount and Peacock have become, but that, that was the whole point of the, <laughs> the conversation today was billions lost. Oh, uh, are they quarter. are they taking a bath? 
Are oh they, yeah, they... I, I forget which of the two P streaming services. It's either Peacock or Paramount, but one of them is is burning through a billion dollars per quarter right now because streaming has blown up so in their face, so to speak. Uh, it's uh, they're they're having they, they they've overstretched themselves with the amount of content and what they've been paying for licensing, and they've got subscribers on the other end that are dropping off, so they're not covering their nut to be able to uh, to do all this. That was the original thrust of what today's episode was going to be about, but that's fine. We can we can push that off because you know, we covered so many I, other good I only, topics here. I got to say, I only see that as a good thing for the end user because it's going to force them to go to fire sale with those titles, with their catalog, and I'm going to be able to buy them a la carte through Amazon Prime at some point. Yeah, <laughs> That's encouraging to me. Or maybe get them as a DVD, as we just said. Then yep. you have a physical copy; it cannot yep. be changed. Um, no, uh, we had we didn't smoke at this point in time, or stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, maybe we have content for another episode. I'm um, sure we do. <laughs> we won't edit this in the future to chop out anything. To make I don't it know. More society may change. And in 20 years, we may look back on the sensuous sounds of InfoSec and realize we can't play any of these back because uh, uh, the social mores have changed so much. We can't have... We can't have Ben screaming out F-bombs every three minutes. We can't have, you know, a, a country hillbilly talking about eating possum on there. You know, we can't. But have the nice Austria. part is 20 years from now, you and I will both be those crotchety old guys who get away with saying anything they want because <laughs> right, they're right. too old to be held accountable. Right. Rafty's the only one who's going to have to yeah. deal with the fallout. Yeah. When this yeah. kid is rebelling against him. Dad, how dare you? You went on that counter-revolutionary show and you said all those <laughs> terrible things how could you have read the terms of service dad god don't you know speaking That's... of which our 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 current new uh vignette part of our show is would rofty use it based on rofty's review of the terms of service of a given product i gave him one that's very near and dear to my heart um the cardo freecom plus four headset for motorcycle riders um rafty you read the terms of service i did you what you're you actually do? using it i love it i fucking you love, love it. it okay now <laughs> only only because i'm using it in ignorance am i giving away all my data including my, the location of my motorcycle and how fast i'm driving and are they going to share that information with my insurance company and bump up my rates Cool and interesting question. I don't think so. Okay, um, good. This, this at least they don't. Um, but um, <laughs> I, I went, went in and I found some interesting tidbits here. And maybe for the Centrist Sounds, the audience, this is very funny as well. Um, so first, uh, first tidbit uh, in regards to what sort of information they collect, and they collect like a lot. And they use Google Analytics and Microsoft Analytics to make their lives easier. But of course, like that means that all the data they are collecting, Google and Microsoft have as well. And they say so. They say so in the end as well. Like um, what data they share, they're like uh, everything that third parties require for keeping up their end of like the service. They they share willingly and stuff. Um, but like for what they collected, I thought a very uh, funny tidbit was they said they collect internet protocol addresses, which of course, like we're so used to saying IP addresses that I think what they're trying to do here is uh, like just um, sort of like <laughs> um, hide what they're actually doing. They're uh, but obfuscating. They're, they're obfuscating, obfuscating it by That's saying it literally. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Everybody says internet protocol addresses, uh, like everybody says IP addresses. Um, but they collect that and they keep records of that, for instance, as well. And what I like thought then is like what, of course, like if you know how the internet works, like this is how they figure out when you have been visiting a friend. You know, so you're like having their app installed. And for some reason, like you drove to your friend's place, like with your motorcycle, use that product, you log into their Wi-Fi. So their IP address now shows off, uh, like shows up on your account. And so they exactly. know, they my, Google at that point knows <laughs> that you've visited that person, 
you know, and stuff like this. And so this is when people are saying like Facebook is listening or like uh, Google is listening, they don't have to. Like you probably have an application installed like this, which has Google Analytics built in. And if you connect to a Wi-Fi at a friend's place, they see the same IP address for two different people and they know who you are, they know who they are. And so they can start putting like YouTube videos they've watched into your feed because they know you probably <laughs> talked about that sort of stuff. And this happens to me, like <laughs> it sometimes happens to me. And I don't know which of my, of, of my apps this was or is or stuff like that. And of course, like then the question is, would I keep on using this product? And Ben, I, I, I think I would. I would no, I think I would. Like if this, if you the, would. no, I, I think in that regard, like it's hard to avoid. Would I want to push against it? Would I sort of like try to mitigate this by using stuff like what we're selling um, to sort of like hide my IP address? And this is the exact reason why you should and uh, do stuff like this. Uh, but like, this is how I would try to get around this. But um yeah, it's it's sort of like part of the deal at this point. Like Google made a very cool product with Google Analytics and it they made it so easy for like developers to to lob that in. And you as the the like owner of that application have so great insights into what your customers are doing and can actually improve the product for them, but of course in the back end Google has all that data as well. Um, so I, I like we talked. We did not talk about this here, but Google, of course, has no streaming service except for YouTube Premium, which, of course, like is no licensed stuff. But they have the the revenue split and so on. Um, and um, yeah, I'm I'm interested in where Google is going next. And they had big layoffs as well. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Thank you. That see, okay, that's fascinating. I always kind of imagined that the freecom could track me anyway, because what the freecom is, it's a set of speakers in my helmet, which allows me to listen to sensuous sounds of infosec on Spotify via my phone, which is I'm carrying with me in my jacket, and I can listen to the show while I'm riding the motorcycle. I always imagine they can follow me anyway, because Spotify knows where my phone is. And my phone is where I'm at. And it's, you know, I, it's within so Bluetooth I didn't range. really have an expectation of privacy all that much, but I didn't know how much they were sharing and who they were sharing it with. That's really wild. Um, yeah, they share with multiple people. Like they share, like they're explicitly saying who their data providers are. And they're giving like, if there is some, like, wait, let me, let me get the word. I should read this out loud. But basically what they're said is they share their information uh, at, at the slightest hint of some legal ramifications <laughs> for them. You know, wow. they don't even have to have a proper like it's they. It There's really no request for a warrant. There's no subpoena. Exactly. They'll just hand it over. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. But wow. at least they don't say that they collect location data. And I cannot tell you if the if this is up to date or if they still do or if this like they sometimes summarize stuff and are just like we collect stuff like this this and this and of this nature and so on so i'm not sure if they collect uh location data maybe you should look in your app thing but of course location data for your app you can block and i don't know if your if your speakers have gps building oh, wow well, thank yeah. you. Thank you, Rafti, for going through that. This is a good, valuable service for me. So um, <laughs> I don't care if the listeners actually get any value out of it. And if uh, any listener... Great. Thank you, gentlemen. What's that? I, I was going to say, if any listener out there wants to create a jingle so, so that we can play when we do this segment of... Uh, what, what are we titling this? What did you say it was? Would Rafti use it? Would Rafti <laughs> use it? If any listeners want to create a jingle, we will give you full credit. We will start using it. We won't give you, we, we don't have any swag we can give you. Ben might give you a free copy of Rafi's Portmaster or something like that. But, <laughs> but, but we need a jingle for, uh, for Rafi's new segment. So if you have an idea, go ahead and record it. Send me an MP3 or send Ben an MP3 or a WAV file and we'll, we'll start using it. That's a genius idea. Something like, you know, he reads, he reads, he reads. Would Rafi use it? You know, that'd be <laughs> terms of service. <laughs> okay yeah so um in that case i i'm just like i i hate stuff like this but i i guess maybe i would i'm considering um carrying around two phones for stuff like this 
Um, and this would like, I already have multiple Wi-Fi networks with different IP addresses at home. And this is stuff where I'm like, like I have a vacuum robot at home. I use stuff like this, but not connected to my primary internet line. It's gotcha. so it's air gapped, <laughs> air gapped from all the rest of my digital life. But of course, like I can't be bothered to vacuum every day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. And with that, uh, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. Catch you again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com, and that's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel WannaBeACISSP. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to Ben at BenMaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com, and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.